Hello, Molo, Sawbona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with a purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Awesome. And we just want to say we love you. We love. The meaning gets lost, like. Just no show of hands. Just between you and Jesus, you know, keep it there. When I asked you, how are you doing? Who was honest? And responded like, yeah, this, you know, I'm fine, you know, I'm truly fine. No, I, the thing is that I'm fine has become a sort of like part of the greeting. You know, like, good morning, good morning, how are you? I'm fine. You know, like, you know, this like in school when we are taught to greet people. So I personally every now and again like to shake it up And someone saying how are you doing I'm terrible (laughs) And I love the response It's like oh what is wrong And then they don't know what to say So yeah So just like how How are you can get lost in translation The word discipleship Can get lost in translation So we've been going through it again And unpacking it And um just reminding ourselves of what it means because as a church we exist to make disciples you know we are meant to be a disciple disciple making factory you know pastor wayne has preached three awesome messages about this the first two messages were hard and they were like "Mm, mm," you know are you really a disciple (laughs) and then last week um he came up with some graphs Showing the gradient coefficient of, of spiritual growth. We're just calculating, seeing, are you on the right curve? Is your curve linear? Or is it like, you know, logarithmic or angular and all of that? If you haven't noticed, I'm a science graduate. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking about, you know, breaking down discipleship. Making it simple and very practical. Uh, today, we're going to continue on that note. We're going to break it down and we're going to make it more practical. Uh, today's sermon, uh, uh, sermon title is Master Builder. Is, do, does anyone watch MasterChef? Yeah, I also watch MasterChef. I don't like cooking, but I like watching people cook. It's like, wow, you can do that? Man, the things that those people do. The one that amazes me the most is the one where they're kids, like little children. And they get so pent up and so frustrated about what they're cooking. And you know, these little cheeks go red and like, I'm so frustrated, my spaghetti is not al dente. <laughs> it's really cute. It is very entertaining. Uh, so just like Master Chef, today we're going to talk about being master builders and being masters at discipleship. You know, uh, Wayne, there's this thing that Wayne has been talking about lately. lately. It's called that thousand hour principle. That uh, if you want to be good at something, you must try to do it or practice it for at least a thousand hours before you can actually start to master it. 
So the same thing with discipleship, that we must practice, practice, practice. So let's pick up uh, from last week. Uh, uh, we're reading from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 8 to 11. Uh, it's going to show on the screen if you're at home, pretend like you're opening the Bible and being spiritual in your living room. Okay, so it reads like this. <clears throat> he, he who planted and he who watered are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, uh, for you are God, God's field, God's building, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay a foundation, and someone else, uh, someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So this is, uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians. If you read Corinthians, they are, you know, the naughtiest church and the just, just the most frustrating church that you can find in the Bible. You know, if, if, if Paul was a person, every time he writes to Corinthians, you, you could just imagine his cheeks going red and him just furiously writing, like, what is wrong with you? Sin was rife in the church. And on top of that, they just sometimes didn't want to believe Paul. Like, ah, we don't, we don't trust you. You're a little bit short and you think you're cleverer than anybody else and all of that. You know, they were frustrating. So right now the issue is that they are divided. Some say they follow Paul, some say they follow Apollos, some say they follow Christ. So they're divided and they don't want to listen to each other. It's like someone saying, oh, on Sunday, Wayne is preaching. I'm paying attention. Next week, Smo is preaching. I'm not paying attention. Just in case you weren't paying attention. (laughs) So they were divided and they had little cliques and they followed different people. So when Paul is writing to them, uh, he's telling them that, you know what, I planted, Apollos watered, but God causes it to grow. That we are all one in Christ. That we're all, you know, Paul and, and Apollos were working together for them to grow spiritually. He calls them God's building and God's um, vineyard. You know, discipleship can be so frustrating. And uh, Steve Morrill has this quote. Uh, he says, discipleship is simple but challenging. You know, last week, uh, Wayne came up and he preached and he was like, it's simple, guys. Just take, find somebody and take him through the growth plan. That's simple, right? Find somebody, take him through a growth plan. And then there comes the big problem when you're trying it out. <laughs> How to find that somebody? Hmm. Huh. How to get them agree to go through this growth plan? Huh. How do you make sure they stay and not drop out? Oh my goodness. It's simple, but it's challenging. For Paul, he came and he preached, but he didn't leave it at that. He had to teach them everything that Christ has taught him. Teach them everything. 
uh, when I was in high school, every Friday we had preachers come around and they would preach and they would share some uh, encouraging word and then afterwards they'd give an altar call. We'd all lay, raise our hands just to get them to shut up and then they would leave and they would walk away. There's just this one person that stuck in my mind till this very day. He preached, he preached and then he gave an altar call and nobody was paying attention. We were all like, the sun is hot, can we get out of here? And then he started going on and he was red in his face and he's going on about Nizofa! Nizofa! Literally translated, you'll die, you'll die, you'll die, you'll die to a bunch of children. <laughs> so we were all like shocked, like, oh, 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 what, 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 what's going on? <laughs> is he like, uh, you know, is he going to come and kill us all or something? So we raised our hands just to get him to shut up. <laughs> and then he walked away. And life went on as normal. You know, there's a thing with church that sometimes we're so busy trying to get people to come to church or get people to raise their hand and commit to Christ, and we just leave them there. And we're just like, okay, yeah, you, you, you said yes, right? See yourself. But the point is that you shouldn't, the point is not to leave them there. The point is to teach them everything that Christ has taught you. The point is to see life change. If there is no change, that means discipleship is not happening. Like, it's not happening. If someone is forever coming to church, sitting in the same seat, life is not changing. It's just there to, you know, get you juiced up and feel good about the week ahead. Then we're not, you are not being a disciple. There must be a change in your life. Paul says, I am a master builder. He has, you know, uh, you can ask JR and X, when you build a building, there's something called a blueprint. There's a goal. Sometimes buildings look messy and they're just like, what is going on here? And things are upside down and all of that. But there's someone called the project manager who's like walking around and be like, you, I need to call the builder, the plasters this week and that person this week and that person this week so that this building, because he has a game plan and he has a vision in his heart and his mind to see what the ultimate goal is. So as we endeavor to make disciples and to be master builders in people's lives, we should have that goal, that goal and that end in mind. In Ephesians uh, 4 verse 11 to 14, uh, this is Paul writing again. It says, and uh, I think Pastor Ryan read, read this a couple of weeks ago. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all obtain, um, attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may not be children tossed to and fro by waves uh, way by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunningness by, by craftiness and deceitful schemes Christians sometimes we can be seen as the most gullible bunch Back to my school days again. Every, this was grade one. Um, yes, grade one, imagine. Uh, at the end of the year, in grade one, there was something called an exam prayer happening. And everyone was asked to go there. And there was this preacher, whoever came, and he was giving people grains of salt. 
to put under their tongue before they write exams because it's going to make them pass. I'm like, okay, why are we getting grains of salt? We don't even write exams. Like great ones. <laughs> what exams are you writing? I'm, I even remember having to study because I'm confused now. I, am I going to write exams? This is my first year in school. I don't know what to do. <laughs> we can be so gullible because we are not rooted in the truth which is Jesus Christ. We can be tossed back and forth by every grass, by every oil, by every bath, or whatever comes about, as long as it sounds good. Whatever it is, this is at Jesus on top, it's all good, we're all there, as long as we think it's going to benefit us. But the truth is, we need to be rooted and grounded in Christ. That's why Paul said, I am a master builder. And as people that are called to make disciples, we have to be intentional. You know, God has put people around us for a reason. Long, long ago, Trish preached a message that still stuck to that still sticks to my heart. It was about this, about stewardship. That people that God has put around you, God is in trust, is trusting you to steward them, to steward your relationships. That's why cancel culture is so bad because God puts people around you. You know, so that you could steward them. Paul took his discipleship seriously with the Corinthians because he knew that God had put these people in his life so that he could steward them, so that they could be conformed to the image of Christ. We can't just like look around and see people because sometimes in our politically, politically correct world, it's very easy to not address certain issues. Oh, you come to church, right? Oh, you're good. There's certain things that are not right in your life, but I'm not going to say anything because I'm going to offend you and then you're not going to stop coming. That's not what we're called to do. Conform to the fullness of Christ. In our church, you know, we have great and incredible tools to make disciples. When Wayne was talking about the fishing conference and the fishing material and the fishing fisher fisher thing last week, I was like, man, that's so us. You know, every nation we have, when it comes to discipleship material, we have lots. We've got one-to-one, we've got Purple Book, we've got i2series, we have iConnect, we have Growth Plan. Our conferences are called Go make disciples, build discipleship. We all are about the discipleship material. It's all there. It's all great. It's perfect. But the problem is tools might be there, but a tool is as good as the person holding the tool. (laughs) Growth plan is awesome, but it will remain just a nice program and a nice set of videos that we work really hard to make in the internet (laughs) without the person getting there (laughs) and using it just like MasterChef earlier there's this uh, part of MasterChef that's called like mystery box where people get like random stuff last time I watched it someone got like um, lobster goat cheese and apples why do you do with that? but the person actually made it into a meal Because it's not about the ingredient, it's about the person using the ingredients, the chef using the ingredients. In Varsity, I think uh, Pumlan, we're in the same race, you might know this guy. There was this guy 
in the soccer team for our race. He had the latest of everything. Nike from head to toe. I think even his sweatbands were Nike. Latest Cristiano Ronaldo boots like they were like, you know, shiny and all of that. He, but he was the worst player in the team. <laughs> I don't even know why he played. Actually, I know why he played. Because he was the chief financer of the hubbling industry in the team. <laughs> He had all the right gear, but he didn't have the skills. We might have all the right gear, but if we are not ourselves convicted about making disciples, about being skillful at it, it will not work. I remember the first time I ever did like altar ministry. You know, Wayne trained us and you're like, okay, you know, you you go to a person and then you just, you know, make sure that you're there and then you introduce yourself and then you ask them uh, if there's anything that you need prayer for and then you pray for them. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I've done my DMC. I'm going to walk down, da, 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 da. And I go behind this uh, uh, mature gentleman. We were students on campus, so the average age was probably 21, 22 if you're 25, you're really old in that city. <laughs> so, put my hand behind this gentleman. He turns around, introduces himself, and then he begins to tell me his story. His, uh, his child had just passed away. His, his wife passed away a couple of months ago. And he just begins to break down in tears. And I was undone. <laughs> Let's pray. Close your eyes, Heavenly Father. John, John. Like there was John. John was the oldest amongst us. He was over 25. <laughs> so I was like, get over here. <laughs> if I if I use that experience, and I'm be like, ah, no, Wayne taught me this thing. It doesn't work, and walked away. I would have never done it again. Because I felt horrible for so long. <laughs> my goodness, I couldn't even help that guy. What, what, whoa, my goodness. I, I wonder, what, did he ever get help? But because we are called to be discipled, not by Wayne, but by Jesus, I had to do it again, and again, and again, until you get better at it. So when we are called to make disciples and we're given great tools, we need to be master builders and be skillful and Try it out. It's simple, but it's going to be challenging. So we need to put in the effort that we ourselves are being, are being deliberate. The word, you know, when I think about being a master builder, the most important thing I think of is being intentional. There is nothing that I dislike more than as Christians, we gather on a Sunday morning, we encourage each other, and we walk away, and life goes back to normal. And maybe I'm just like a goal-driven type of person. You know, when I was a kid, I really hated when we played soccer and there were no goals and there were no winners. You know, because like, you know, you, you, you guys know what I mean. You know, I'm goal-orientated. Goal our discipleship needs to be goal-orientated. If it, if it has to be goal-orientated, then we must be intentional about it. If we are to see people's lives transformed and them being conformed to the image of Christ, we need to be intentional about it. 
like intentional taking every step. Um, we have these things are called the four Fs, which are the four things that we are meant to establish in people's lives. There are four, foundation, four primary fundamentals of Christianity that we are meant to establish in people's lives. And if we are to be intentional about making disciples, we have to be intentional about establishing these four Fs. The first one is foundations. Paul was saying, no one else can lay a foundation other than the one that I've laid, which is Jesus Christ. People have so many different foundations out there. You can have a foundation of church culture where it's all about dressing up a particular way. I'm not trying to you know, talk about people that wear suits to church. Maybe it's just us. You know, you don't wear shirts, you, you're wearing a suit and we look at you funny because we're trying to disciple you into church culture. You don't like our music, so we'll just try and disciple you into church culture. Check out the latest Bethel. Check out the latest uh, Maverick music. Download the playlist. We're discipling you into church culture. Learn our words. Learn our lines. Learn our song. In this church, we pray on this day. We do this on that day. We do that on that day. It is all incredible. It is all great. It is all powerful. But the problem is, without the foundation of Jesus, it is meaningless and shallow. Sometimes we get people and we have them in connect groups or we have them to we're discipling them and we're talking about the second coming of Christ, the you know, the incarnation of the heavenlies and the what is the most complicated theological thing that I can think of at the current moment? The rapture. Let's talk about the rapture. Is Jesus coming from that way or that way? Is COVID part of the rapture or not? Let's look at the Bible. And we're thinking we're discipling people. It's all good and well, but without foundations, it's useless. Because someone will be convinced that they're Christian, but they're not. They'll be convinced that they're disciples of Christ because they're doing the right things, but the foundation is not there. We have to make sure that there are foundations laid. Foundations are important. You can't build a building without foundations. Even that up and upside down building, you know those buildings I've been seeing on TV, like the rooms upside down? Like when you walk in, the floor, the ceiling is the floor, and the, seat, and the floor is the ceiling, like that. It's very weird when you look at it. But I, I wonder if the foundation's also upside down. You can't mess around with the foundation. <laughs> As Christians, we also can't mess around with the foundation. The foundation is the fundamental truth of the gospel. Having a relationship with Jesus. Before having a relationship with church, churchiness. Knowing Jesus for yourself. Because churchiness changes sometimes. Uh, Carol McKeese from Joburg asked us this, a, a, a very hard question one day. And it was like, when you were a student and they changed venues and they never told you, what would you do? And we're all like, we'd go look for them. We'd go look for church. Because we, 
were convinced and convicted about the fact that we need spiritual family that Jesus has called us to this church and to this body I wonder how many of us would bother to look for church if we change times like let's say we're meeting at 11 at night <laughs> Wayne found a very nice verse to base it on I don't know the 11 hour of the day I don't know. <laughs> and he decided that we're meeting at 11 and then we move on to 11 how many of us I wonder how many of us would go or maybe it's not the church culture we're used to church said nine or maybe we can't come into the building because there's COVID and church has to be online how many of us will wake up in the morning and actually take that service seriously we could sit down and be like "Mm, it's on TV it's not the same I don't feel it It's not hitting me here Because it's not the version of church culture We're used to One of the most challenging Parts of my life is having to go to my Mom's church Man We sit and we stand So many times (laughs) And everyone has to sing Even the person doing announcements Starts a song and then everyone gets up and they just do the conga line and they're like na 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 I'm like you're doing announcements stop it <laughs> it is so challenging I could choose just to say you know what this is not my cup of tea I'm going to walk out but the truth it's not she's not <laughs> this is not her type of church culture <laughs> I could choose to walk away But because It's not about the cultural expression It's about the foundation of Jesus Christ And knowing Him So It's important to lay the foundation Of Jesus The second one is freedom Luke 4, Luke 4 verse 18 Jesus says The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me Because he has anointed me To proclaim the good news to the poor He has, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives And recovery of sight to the blind To set at liberty those who are oppressed Christ came so that we could be free Christianity without freedom it's just another exercise that we do on a Sunday morning because we don't know what we had to, what we can do with our time. Life has to change. When we came in here, you know, when we got born again, we got born again from a life that we lived and we came with baggage. I don't know about you, but I have my bag I had my baggage. We all have our baggage. And if we are going to pretend like people don't have baggage and let's just You know, let's not talk about the real things. The baggage will build up. And then all of a sudden it becomes the elephant in the room. We are are meant to lead people to freedom. Whom Christ set free is free indeed. It is essential, church, that every single one of us, if we are to be disciples of Christ, and if we are to make disciples, we need to be led to freedom. 
sometimes we don't want to talk about the difficult things because it's just not comfortable. I remember my life and my, my uh, journey as I uh, uh, started working out uh, this Christian thing. The guys in my connect group, they, one of them asked me such an annoying question and I didn't even know how to answer it. And he was like, why do you have so many weird female friendships? And I'm like, dude, first of all, they're not that many. <laughs> I still think they're not that many. <laughs> but he asked me that question, though it was awkward. Because there was a certain thing that he was seeing in my life that was not a line. Because there's certain bondages and certain baggages that we hold from our lives and that the world, you know, we live in a messed up world. Unless you're perfect, because I know I'm not, there's stuff that we need to be freed from. People need to be delivered from certain things. And if we need to be making disciples, let's be intentional about seeing people delivered from all these things that they are pressing them. Asking the awkward questions. Asking the questions, you know, disciple, you are not uh, doing discipleship right if it doesn't get annoying and get awkward. If it doesn't, you know, if you, do, if you don't cringe before asking it, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this, but anyways, let's just talk about it. <sighs> What's that porn doing in your computer? <laughs> Sometimes we're so politically correct, we look at social media and people doing the weirdest things and we like, we talk about it, hey Sobs, have you seen what Langa posted? Oh my goodness, this guy, what is wrong with him? But never going to Langa and talking to him about it directly. If we are to make disciples, freedom. Church, let's, let's lead people to freedom. I believe free, being free in Christ is one of the most beautiful things about Christianity. That we can no longer be suppressed by the issues of this world. I mean, during lockdown, I had this weird conversation uh, with my sister that I actually like, I was, you know, I, oh, the only answer was Jesus. She was asking me, how do you stay sane in a world where people are losing their jobs, where you know there's no money and you pray to God for a job, it's not happening, there's illness all around, there's all these relational issues all around. I pray to God, nothing happened. What should I do? It's not happening. I'm like, I don't know what to say. I'm like in my life, you know, I can I can be smart as much as I can, but there's a certain point where it, you just need Jesus. You just need to accept him and find freedom in him. And find freedom, and find and find freedom from the bondages of lust, the bondages of of of, of greed, of 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 doubt, anxiety, depression, you know, like material materialism, all those other things. We need to be, find that freedom, and we need to teach people to walk in that freedom. Another one is. Um, spiritual family Family I think this is one of the topics That we preach about the most as churches And it's not because we're trying to have Like this corporate strategy to get people To come to church That we like trying to blackmail people with the bible Like yeah numbers are dropping Let's talk about spiritual family It's not about that 
It's about a community of believers. There's a certain thing that happens in your life when you begin to walk in community with others. There's certain parts of God that you can never experience or see if you're just on your own. For me, I would have never learned patience if I did not have a connect group. And a certain friend of mine was late all the time. And my goodness, it vexed me. <laughs> he was just, every time, <laughs> he was always late. You know, but we pray, you know, God give us the fruits of the Spirit, good, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, you know. <laughs> you know and then God gives us spiritual family when we have to exercise those spirits, those, those fruits of the Spirit. But without spiritual family, you can never exercise those, see those fruits of the Spirit. Your life can never truly be transformed. I know that we, 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 I know that as a church, as people, we hurt each other, we bruise each other, we offend each other, we do all sorts of things. But church is God's plan. It's not ours. Hell, if it was ours, we would structure it differently. I mean, Wayne would probably say that whatever he says goes. We must do everything according to his ways. But it's not his plan. And it's not his idea. It's God's idea. So we have to go through the rubbing and the itching and the discomfort of being in spiritual family so that we can grow and mature to the fullness of Christ. Jesus walked in spiritual family. He was not never like, I am God. I do not need your opinions. He had people talk to him. He had friends. In fact, you know, they annoyed him quite a lot. <laughs> they said all sorts of weird things, but he was there with them all along. He never, did, he, never made, he never did ministry by himself. He had spiritual family. And the last F is fruitfulness. Jesus started making disciples with Matthew, Matthew 14 verse 19. And he finished with Matthew 28. He started by saying, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he finished by saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Discipleship starts and, end with, starts and ends with evangelism. It starts and end with it starts with us accepting Christ and following Him, continuing to a point that we also go out and we reach out to others. If we are going to disciple each other here in this building, it's gonna get awkward and weird very soon and cultish. But the aim, the main goal is not us. It's the people out there who don't know Christ. Let me give you some advice. I've, you know, I've been doing this discipleship thing just a little for just, you know, a little bit. Yeah, I have a little bit of discipleship in my CV. Best disciples are not the ones in here. If you want to make disciples, it's not the ones in church. It's the ones out there. Because the ones in here, we've got preferences. <laughs> And we know stuff. And we've been to that church and that church and we've listened to that podcast and that podcast. But the people out there, when you talk to them about Christ, they're very frank and very honest. 
Not to say it's a bad thing discipling people in the church. It's great. It's awesome, guys. Don't get me wrong. But if we are to make if we are to change the world by making disciples, we have to look outside of these four walls. If our discipleship is meaningful, then it has to extend outside these four walls. You know, I had a friend. Uh, I have a friend, Klina. If I don't know if he's watching, hi, Klina. <laughs> I'm going to talk about you in just in a moment. <laughs> and uh, you know, Klina is he is quite the salesman. He's very soft-spoken, but he is quite the salesman. If he likes something, the whole world will know about it in a subtle manner. In a, you know, just a quiet way. Just him walking up. Hey, bro. Have you seen this app? Look at, look at that. In Varsity, he convinced, I think, four of us, or, five, or you know, quite a lot of us in our, French, in our church uh, circles to go buy Windows phones. I don't know why he did that, because they went out of business in a few years. <laughs> but because they were so great, and he had one, and he enjoyed using it. This one point he even like made us walk for like, I don't know, it was an hour, 45 minutes to and another 45 minutes back because the Nando's at the bottom of Reserva Hills had really awesome burgers that don't taste like any other burger we've ever tasted. So we decided to walk because he was that convincing. Because the burger was that good according to him. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he didn't give it in the midst of the thousands and thousands he was feeding. He didn't give it to them there. He didn't give it the Great Commission when they were charging him and wanting to take him and make him king. He didn't give him the Great Commission. He had to go through the humiliation of the crucifixion and people were making jokes about him swearing at him saying all kinds of nasty things and people running away left right and center and then he was resurrected and the people that he touched the most would draw near to him he appeared to them to those that were convicted that those whose lives were changed by him to those that knew him and that thought he was the hope of the world they were so convinced and convicted by who Jesus is by the gospel that John even wrote and he said the word became flesh and we beheld its glory to the point that Peter writes and he says they did not you know, what did he say? Peter, what did you say? We did not follow clever devised myths when we made known to you the power, and, or the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. First-hand eyewitnesses of his majesty. That intimacy with Jesus is the reason they went out to go all over the world and make disciples because they had tasted and they had seen God's goodness and they were convinced that this is the hope of the world. I don't know who said this, but one of the rules of marketing is that you must believe in your own product. You can't sell it unless you're convinced by, by it. 
I don't know about you Herbalife people. Are you really convinced by your teeth? Clean, <laughs> 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 I was convinced by Nando's burger. So he convinced us to go it, try it out. Church, if we are to be disciple makers, it has to be, it has to come from a point of encountering Jesus. It has to come from a point of knowing who Christ is. If we are to be intentional about doing this, about being master builders, it has to come from that overflow of I know what Jesus has done in my life. So I believe he could do it for you, for you, and for you, and for you, and that you need it in your life. Or otherwise, it can become this weird thing that, you know, in, in our world, it becomes, you're a Christian, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Hindu, I'm an atheist. That's your thing, it works for you. Keep it that way. This is my thing, it works for me. Many roads go up the same mountain as long as we find God at the top. And as Christians, if we don't make disciples, we coalescing to that fact. We're accepting that as a fact. If we're not making disciples, that means we're not convinced that people need it. We're not convicted by the fact that this gospel is the hope of the world. As I draw to a close as Mac is shuffling his boards. (laughs) Can we all stand? Sandra, there's a song that I want you to play. We can preach, we can talk, we can give tools, we can come up with brilliant strategies and ideas and all of that. But if we are to go and make disciples from a place of guilt, it's never going to last. If we are going to do it from a place of intimidation and fear, it's never going to last. But if we are convinced that Christ is the hope of the world, that the world needs to know Him, it's going to be impactful. We will be able to persevere and get in people's faces regardless of what they feel or think because we are convicted convicted by the fact that he is the hope of the world there's a song that I want you to uh, I want to Tandra to play in a moment and as the song plays I just want you to look back and remember the moment when you decided to follow Jesus and think about every day how grateful you are to having known him Siabong. Thank you, man. Um, church, as we, as we wrap up, uh, what God has laid in our heart this morning is um, all of us have been discipled. We are here today because someone invited you to come. Someone many years ago invited you to come to his connect group. Someone years ago invited you to dinner. Someone invited you for coffee. Someone said hi to you. And we've been discipled and we have tasted the goodness of the Lord through those invitations. And this morning, let our hearts think of those who are not here. That who have I invited? 
who have I invited to church? Who have I invited to, a connect, to my connect group? Who have I invited for dinner? Who at work have I sat with at the cafeteria? Who have I had lunch with at work? You know, who have I had lunch with on campus? You know, who have I had water with, coffee with? Because it starts with an invitation. We have been invited. We are all products of, of discipleship. And can we take this goodness out there? It starts with an invitation. And sometimes we can, we can, we can measure ourselves against each other that no, I can't, I don't know all the Bible verses, but you know what God has done in your life. And that's enough. You know what that, in, that first invitation did to your heart. It made you belong. It, it gave you a sense of belonging. It affirmed who you were. Now you have friends, now your identity is being sharpened well, you, you are fruitful, you are excelling in, in, in your area of life. All because of that one invitation. There's a young man, uh, there's, there's a young man who uh, God led, uh, laid in our heart and this young man, I asked him, hey chap, what do you think of God? And he said to me, Sobs, I don't understand why God took my father away. And I want nothing to do with God right now. And that broke my heart. And had I not made that decision to just ask him, hey dude, what do you think about God? You know, I would not have known that. And weeks later, I gave that young man a purple book. Because I want to introduce who God is to him. Because there are people who think they know God because of the false information they've received. And because I've done BFC, because I've been taught the biblical foundations, I can now teach him the right truth about God. And now I'm in that journey with him. And this young man is 18 years old. In 10 years from now, he's going to be 28. My son is 5 now. In 10 years from now, my son will be 15. Chances are he's going to be lecturing or being a teacher in my son's class. Do you see? That's discipleship. That's discipleship. Mac once preached that the gospel, it's a, it's a human right. You know, and... Me playing a role in this young man's life and us playing in the role we are playing, we are preparing the next generation. We're going to have lecturers who fear God. This young man loves your cartoons. We're going to have cartoons that fear God. You know, we're going to have, I, I, can't, I can't wait for that, cartoons who are fighting, but they're saying, fire in Jesus' name, fire in Jesus' name. You know, not the fire, not the fire we sing now. Not the fire we sing now. And he, he loves the cartoons and if we are to advance the kingdom of God, we are, are to disciple where people are. Because that same young man could be the president of this nation in 10 years from now. You know, so church, I just want to close our eyes. We are, we're just going to pray and release you guys. But I think with our eyes closed, I want you to start thinking right now, who do you need to start inviting? With our eyes closed, who do you need to start inviting? And the second question I want you to ask yourself, who is going to hold you accountable? We've had sports saying this thing is, you have to be intentional. Who is going to hold you accountable? Because what we're doing here, we are doing for the next generation. We are doing it for our kids, our children's children. Who is going to hold you accountable? It could be your connect group leader. It could be your friend. But hey, who are you going to say, hey, I want to start this discipleship thing. Discipleship thing. Please hold me accountable. 
check with me in seven days from now, who have I invited? And the first question is, who are you going to start inviting? Who are you going to send that message to? Hey, can you come with me to church next week Sunday? No, I don't have money. Okay, fine, I'll help you. Just come to church. Even if you join us online, who is that one person you will reach out to? And Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Your word, Lord, is alive. Your word lives. As we leave, Lord, we pray that let this not just be any word, but let, be, let it be a word that will cause us to act. We know that we face challenges every day. We are distracted almost every hour. And right now, Lord, as we live, we pray against those distractions. That mighty God, may we rise above confusion. May we rise above distraction. May we rise above procrastination. May we rise above inconsistencies. May we rise above, I am not enough. We are enough. I pray that as we go to our daily lives, that our hearts will be broken by what breaks yours. In the name of Jesus. This morning as we leave, that as we read one scripture a day, we will get a revelation of that, of that scripture in Jesus' name. That mighty God, when we read your word, it will touch us before, before we talk about it in the name of Jesus. That those who do not know your word, they will know your word in the name of Jesus. We pray for the connect groups, mighty God, in this house, that those who attend, their lives will not be the same again. Every session they attend in the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you, church, and the Lord keep you. And the Lord's face shine upon you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.